How does one go from being delisted by Collingwood to punting at Rutgers? What sort of decisions and thoughts go through one's mind when a lifelong dream is cut short? How does Pro Kick Australia prepare one for the NCAA? And why join the Scarlet Knights? I'm your host Joey Lynch and this is ESPN's Beyond the Lead with Flynn Appleby. Flynn Appleby will become the latest in a long line of Australian talent making their way to the collegiate system in the United States in the coming months. The former Collingwood AFL representative accepting a scholarship offer to punt for the gridiron team of Big Ten school Rutgers. Appleby played 11 games for the Pies across three seasons, featuring as an emergency for the 2018 Grand Final after a hamstring injury knocked him out of the firsts before being delisted at the end of the 2020 season. This, eventually, led him to join a collection of former footballers to graduate through the Pro Kick Australia system and earn a spot on the ranks of a collegiate roster. Appleby himself is going to be joining fellow Aussie Adam Corsack on the Rutgers list and 55 other Australian punters across the NCAA. In a wide-ranging conversation with ESPN's Patrick Georgievic, Appleby reflected upon his AFL career and the challenges that he faced along the way, the art of punting, Pro Kick Australia and much more. But first, the 23-year-old gave a bit of an insight into what he's been up to since committing to Rutgers. Um, yeah, it's been a fair bit going on the last uh, few weeks or so since I committed. Um, just been catching up with family and friends, really, and just preparing um, with my training um, and weights and stuff like that at the moment. So, um, yeah, I'm living in Melbourne, but uh, my parents and, and family live about three hours out of town. So um, just slowly shifting everything back there and, um, yeah, hopefully book my flight soon and, and get over there. Beautiful. So for those that are just coming to you, obviously you played at, at Collingwood uh, for three years, drafted back in 2018, played 11, 11 games for the, for the Pies. Did you ever see, I guess, this scenario you're in right now where you're about to book your flights to the States and play college football in front of tens of thousands of people? Did you see that happening for you at any point in, in your life? No, nah, not at all. Um, I'd always found the opportunity to study abroad quite appealing. Um, but when you're playing full-time, um, I was... Yeah, playing full-time um, Australian rules football. Um, that was taking up all my um, sort of time and focus at that time. So I was, didn't really know if it was going to ever be an opportunity. And then, um, yeah, it just sort of sort of fell into it. Um, and then, yeah, it's been uh, over the last 10 or so months, it's sort of been a bit of a learning curve, but it's been, um, been a great opportunity to access, yeah. So in terms of that study abroad, was the States ever on your, your list in, in terms of where you wanted to study abroad if that opportunity ever, ever came up? Uh, yeah. Um, I just saw a couple of friends go over, um, people that I'd played with in the past. Um, uh, yeah, and after seeing about two or three of those go over, um, I played with Paddy Turner, who's at Colorado State. Um, played with him about five years ago or so. And then I played against a couple of other guys that are over there now. Um, playing Australian rules and they transitioned over so uh, I think that was what piqued my interest um, and then yeah when things started to um, to wrap up with my Australian rules career um, I was just looking to 
um, for a different opportunity, different experience. And um, yeah, I was lucky enough to, to get involved with Pro Kick Australia. Yeah, beautiful. And we'll get to Pro Kick and I guess the trip to uh, Piscataway, New Jersey, where you'll be living for the next few years. But let's just go back, I guess, to your time at, at the Pies. Obviously, when you were drafted, came onto the rookie list and, and made a really strong impression that first year. How did you see, I guess, that first year in the system? We'll, we'll start there. And what was it like coming in from North Ballarat? Yes. Yeah, it's um, it interesting being in a full-time environment. Um, the people that you sort of grow up idolising, especially when you're coming through like the later periods when 17, 18 years old, um, when you're really starting to try and push for um, opposition, uh, for an opportunity to get drafted. Um, once you get amongst those guys, it's sort of uh, at the start, it can be maybe a little bit overwhelming, but once you get to know them, like they're all uh, just normal guys. And uh, um, at the end of the day, you know, you become really good friends with them. And um, I've got some uh, friendships there, you know, they're going to be lasting a lifetime. It's been a, it was a great opportunity to, to rock up and um, then, you know, get an opportunity to play at the highest level. Mm -hmm. And so that first year, nine of, of your 11 games, through there, did you start to feel like you had a, a bit of momentum and and almost got close to you know certainly cementing you know your your place as a fixture in in that group? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, over the preseason, it's just a lot of learning. Um, it's 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 a different uh, way to think about the game um, coming out of like a um, system where you're trying to present yourself when you're in, in your um, junior career, um, going to a professional environment, a lot of team-based stuff, um, a lot of things that are valued that aren't necessarily stats, um, that sharpen the stats. Um, so, you know, you're sort of learning all that. Uh, when, yeah, once I got in, um, started to feel comfortable after playing, you know, a few games in a row. We're obviously going quite well in that year. Um, so, you know, it's, um, I had a lot of great players around me, which makes it, um, the transition easier and, uh, you know, having their experience behind you gives you a fair bit of confidence. So, um, yeah, I felt felt really good going at um, playing my first year, and um, you know, I, I managed to build some some consistency with how I was playing as well. And you were a part of that initial that standby group, weren't you, for the grand final? So, what was that like? Just being so close, and how how difficult was that for you? Just out of curiosity, because it, it seems like it'd almost be hell I mean you're happy for your teammates in one sense but personally I imagine it's real tough yeah it was a oh, I remember the sort of conflicting emotions around that time I, I was sort of inter, interesting position where our sort of AFL team hadn't we got knocked out of finals so there wasn't really an opportunity to play um, but we we're still training on our weekends uh, as it led up to the grand final um, and yeah I, I managed to to put enough um, form together, I guess, at training, I was training well enough to, to get opportunity to be the, the part of the emergency, the group. So, um, yeah, I remember on, on a Thursday, on the Thursday training, um, Bucks come up to me and said, you know, if, if um, one of our defenders, probably Jeremy Howe, if he didn't play, um, I was the guy that was going to come in and um, I was probably going to be playing on Jack Darling, which um, was you know, it's an exciting opportunity, but, you know, at the same time, I hadn't played for a month. Um, so I was, you know, it's, um, 
it's a little bit daunting, but also very exciting at that time. You know, it was um, interesting um, conflict of emotions. But then watching the game at the same time, um, you know, um, there's a little bit of jealousy there because you want to be out there playing. Um, but, you know, I was I had a lot of friends, you know, all my friends were playing. So, you know, um, unfortunately, didn't quite get over the line. But, um, you know, it was a great time to be at the club. Um, got to experience grand final parade um, and the whole um, excitement and build up to the actual game itself. A lot of people at training watching. Um, so, you know, it was uh, to look back on it now and to see how hard it is to get back to that position now, you know, that hasn't happened since. So, um, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty, pretty crazy time. Can you enjoy the grand final parade if, you know, knowing that obviously you, you're part of it and could touch and go, obviously, with Jeremy Howe. But is it enjoyable or are you just sitting there thinking, man, like I'm part of this, but I'm also not absolutely in the thick of it? Yeah, it was a, I don't know. I, I, I've spoken to other people that have been in that situation and they had similar feelings because they felt like um, they, they was, you know, they're in different parts of their career. But, you know, um, yeah, I think everyone has that sort of, contrast that bittersweet feeling when you're when you're sitting in that position because you're you're so close but um you know we're, we're sort of you know you, you don't know how to feel really um obviously excited but um a bit disappointed that you weren't able to you know be a part of something that um you know could be something that goes on for the, the rest of your life you know? definitely and then i mean obviously the next year things didn't quite work out you know for the pies but also yourself how you would have liked in that that 2019 season. I guess when you go from being so close to being part of a team that is within a kick of winning a premiership to then a game the next year, like, did you, I guess, foresee things playing out anywhere near like that? Or, or how was that year for you to deal with? Yeah, I, I guess coming off the back of my first year, I was looking to um, try and, build a routine that was going to last me over a full career and in terms of how I was going about things. Um, and yeah, I guess I just had a couple of, um, had a bit of ankle, ankle niggle early in the year and that sort of took off. Um, I was coming in with, with good form in the VFL, got to an emergency position by round three and then was looking to play um, after that. And then that's when I sort of had that ankle niggle and, um, yeah, it just sort of kept me out a little bit and, and hung around a bit, but there's no real excuses for that. I still back, came back and played and, um, yeah, just sort of, um, you know, I was playing okay. I just probably didn't really put together the, the form I had at the start of the year um, yeah. once I'd gotten towards the back end. So. so in terms of explaining it to the general public, like when you've got an ankle niggle or you have some sort of injury, how often are you playing with, with some sort of niggle? It, it, is that just pretty much almost an every week thing in the AFL? Um, yeah, I'd say most people would have something um, something going on. I remember talking to to Pendles about this and uh, Scott Pendlebury, for those who, who aren't sure. Is, uh, yeah, uh, I spoke to him about it and you know, you're always, everyone's always got something going or that they're dealing with something, managing something. So um, that just sort of comes with it. There's, you know, you're running a lot of Ks and quite a physical sport so um yeah it's just part, just part of how the game's played and and you know the medical staff and um the strength and conditioning side of uh things in the afl is is really strong 
um, and it's really valued as well and listened to by the coaches. So you sort of get this, um, the player welfare in that sense is, is pretty good. So, yeah. And, and so in terms of that next year, obviously it was really crazy. You end up going into a hub for, for 2020. Can you just take us into to what that season was like? Just on even on a human level, I mean, you're nowhere near your, your hometown. Obviously, you're nowhere near Melbourne for almost all of it. Take us through that. Yeah, it's a strange time. I think everyone could probably say that about that time in their life. But, um, yeah, it was interesting logistically how they were going to piece together the season because uh, I think we played round one. Um, you know, COVID sort of started to build in the preseason and, there was whispers of what was going to happen and everyone was sort of um, speculating and there's a few rumours going around about the hub, which I don't think anyone really thought was going to be a thing until, um, you know, until it got announced. But, yeah, we sort of went into a lockdown and that season got called off or postponed at least for probably, you know, two months. So I was back at the farm just working. Uh, we are at a dairy farm um, just outside of Kahuna, which is a small country town. But, um, yeah, I was just back there with, with my parents um, just working on the farm and doing my training there. Um, and then, you know, then we came back down to Melbourne, things started to open up a little bit and then the prospect of moving to um, interstate to play was becoming real. And um, yeah, we ended up in, you know, ended up in Sydney for, for a week or so and in Perth for about three weeks. And then uh, we spent the last remaining 10 or so weeks in um, the Sunshine Coast, which was actually pretty nice, to be honest. It was. Uh, was it great was weather. Enjoyable. I mean, it, 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 like, what was what was that like? I mean, obviously, you know, the Sunshine Coast, great place to be with the weather and those sorts of things. But in terms of, was it just footy, footy, footy all the time? Or were you able to detach yourself a little bit and, and you know, hit some golf balls, which I know you're, uh, you're prone to doing? Yeah. Um... Yeah, there was a fair bit of footy-related stuff. It was more, you know, getting away from the coaches and other players is probably the main thing. You know, we had plenty of time outside of meetings and, and training, um, so there was a lot of downtime. Uh, but, you know, for someone like myself, um, I had no real – had no dependence or had um, didn't have a partner or anything that was sort of leaving um, here in Melbourne, so – um, it was a bit of an adventure for myself and I just got to travel around with um, with my mates and um, I, at that time I was studying online so there wasn't really anything tying me to Melbourne so um, yeah I just just enjoyed whatever was coming up it was pretty um, pretty loose and flexible so you know no one ever really knew what was coming so it was um, yeah it was really interesting to to be a part of that was, um, but they managed to, to piece it together and, and yeah we managed to make finals in the end which was which was good. So that year for you, obviously only only playing the one game and then at the end of the season, unfortunately being delisted. Did you see that coming and how was that for you being in that last season and knowing that, that there wasn't a, a contract extension ready and, and waiting and, and not being able to, I guess, prove, that, prove yourself in terms of on the AFL field uh, as to whether that should be extended? Um. Yeah, I, I did know it was um, a possibility, just the way things, where I was situated in the team, where I'd been playing, um, you know, where the team was at, essentially. I sort of knew that I was going to be coming, I was going to be touch and go for, an, for another contract. But, um, yeah, there was certainly probably, I thought I was playing 
well enough to to earn one but there's probably some stuff with training and stuff i need to deliver a bit better um and uh that's just sort of part of the, the learning i had from from that year it's just sort of being able to maintain a standard of of training and playing um you know that that really proved to the coaches that i was um you know deserved to be to be a part of the following years but um, that's just sort of how it worked out and um you know, I was at the time. You always thinking, thinking you're doing the right thing at the time. It wasn't like I was doing it out of, um, you know, laziness or anything like that. It was just sort of, um, yeah, just learning different things about yourself and um, how to go about it. And um, yeah, as it just turned out, I, I was proud of the way I finished my season with like uh, probably about six weeks to go. Um, you know, put the foot down with how I was training and, and playing, but. You know that's just how things pan out, and you know there's there's always going to be people that come and come and go. So I was a group of um, sort of Rupert Wills and myself on the fringe at that time. So uh, we we're sort of I'm really good friends, really good friends with them. So we were sort of speaking about it and what the next step was going to be for me. And um, yeah, so I, you know I was lucky to have a lot of support from my teammates and and friends and family as well. So uh, yeah, just the way the nature of the sport, uh, yeah decisions are made and, and they're sort of a bit out of your hands after a point. Yeah. And, and so it interests me there, Flynn, with the training aspect. And obviously you, you're thinking you, you're at the appropriate levels and there being, I guess, a discrepancy in terms of what you thought versus, you know, perhaps where the, the coaches were at. What, what did you learn, I guess, from, from that experience that, that you perhaps didn't know at that moment in time? Um, I think it was more, um the approach to training when I when I probably my first year I was um just a bull at a gate going flat out all the time really and then I was just trying to find a more sustainable way of doing that really um just because I had had some injury stuff that had come up so I was just trying to probably navigate my way through how to um you know be really robust and and consistent with my performances um and I was just probably navigating a way to, to find a way to do that and um I was able to sort of find that in just off performance base. And I was playing well enough at that time, you know, you sort of, when things, something's going well for you on field, then you sort of look at um, what you've been doing the week, during the week and, and try and replicate that. And um, yeah, probably just sort of just got a little bit off track with um, so maybe some intensive stuff at training, but um, you know, I was just part of what, what you learn and, um, how you go about it and, and what to do um, and it's probably the response from that was what I was happy with to be honest once you get the feedback just going about um, making improvements and, and that's what I did so um, happy with how I responded but yeah it's just sort of the way things panned out. Where were you when you found out that they weren't going to be keeping you on? Um, I, I was driving back to Kahuna actually I was in Melbourne and I got a phone call from our list manager and, and from the coach, Nathan Buckley, as well. I was just driving back to, to the farm and, and got a call and had a chat to him. And, yeah, they said it was um, just explaining the situation. And, yeah, just sort of you just cop it on the chin and, and sort of move on. At that point, I was, it was sort of a week out from the draft. Um, uh, so looking at opportunities to get redrafted was sort of the next thing on my mind and, and where where to go to next because there wasn't a, a, a 
big window there to, to really think about it too much. So, um, yeah, I, I prepared myself for that call and, um, you know, there's not much you can do about it at that point. It's just looking to what you do next. So that's what we did. I spoke to my manager and, and we just pushed on after that. So what did they say the situation was specifically to obviously you being delisted? Um, similar to what I said, probably it's just a bit more. Um, I think they were looking to get some, potentially getting some young guys in at that time as well. They cut the list size a little bit. So I think they probably did need to get rid of a few guys, I'd, I'd imagine. But um, yeah, I think they were just probably looking at um, getting some some under the younger guys in. And um, yeah, probably just the way of not having enough games under my belt was probably probably really what um, didn't get to showcase enough of my talent, didn't play well enough, I suppose. So um, yeah, that's just, just how it came about. But um, yeah. Hey guys. We know you love your footy, but perhaps you fancy a bit of rugby too. If so, then why not check out ESPN Scrum Reset, where Sam Bruce and Christy Doran discuss all the hot topics in the game, from Super Rugby to the Wallabies and All Blacks, and even further afield. Available wherever you get your pods. Obviously, things have, have gone really well for you since, and if we fast forward, you know, those, those two years, or almost two years, about 18 months since then, and now you're in a position where you're heading off to do something which is even more rare than playing AFL footy, which is quite a, an interesting perspective because most kids grow up in Australia wanting to play AFL, and that's such a rare percentage of, of young men that can do that, and what you're about to embark on is is even more elusive. Yeah, well, I sort of followed that. I, I looked at, ended up in um, the VFL system, and um, I was actually I was training with that with the North Melbourne AFL squad for the preseason and um, didn't get their supplementary um, spot on their list. So yeah, I was sort of committed to, to staying there to play VFL and um, yeah, managed to get the captaincy. Was playing really well. Um, was really happy with with my form and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I sort of knew once I got sort of midway through the season that I was going to probably look to do something else. Um, in terms of playing, I wasn't really sure what it was going to be. Um, I knew I sort of wanted to change my degree as well. So there's sort of a couple of things I was weighing up at the time. Um, yeah, and just sort of reached out to, to Pro Kick Australia probably around August or September last year. And then, um, yeah, since then, it's just been just fully dedicated myself to trying to learn the game and become the best punter I can be really. So um, yeah, it's been a pretty busy 10 months or so, but um, yeah, I've learned a lot and, and met a lot of great people as well. So it's been um, really, really glad I made the decision to, to get involved with it. We will jump on a pro kick in a second. I do just want to just quickly finish up here on the, the footy side of things. We, I'm sure at the time you, you must have been disappointed with, with North not picking you up, right? Yeah, it was um, at this point, I probably had a little bit of perspective on where I was at. Um, I was had one of the probably the best preseason I've had, I reckon. Um, I, was, I was moving really well, playing really well. Um, skills wise, I'd, I'd improved. Um, so I, I'd sort of done the work 
I'd know, I knew I'd done the work in the preseason even before I got to North Melbourne um, when I was training late in, in 2020. So uh, when I rocked up, it sort of felt like when I was there that they were going to look for like a tall forward because there was a um, Sam Skinner was there as well, who's now Port Adelaide because um, it was just when David Noble rocked up to take the coaching role. Sam had come down from Brisbane as well um, after being at, at Brisbane with David. So, um, yeah, I sort of was thinking that they were going to go that way anyway, even though I was happy with how I was going. I was sort of reasonably set defensively. So, um, you know, I, I'll, but at the same time, um, a few of the coaches thought I'd, I'd worked um, enough and put myself in a position where I was um, in a position where I could earn the spot. But yeah, at that point, they were sort of making decisions list-wise and wanted to hold the spot open for the mid-season draft. So um, again, that's a little bit out of your hands in terms of their, their own strategy. Um, so yeah, I was just sort of um, at that point was was hopeful, but knew there was a few factors that were going, could have been going against me at that point. So um, yeah, again, it's just sort of once they make the call, you just got to push on with it and and yeah, I'd started with the VFL the week after. And, um, yeah, we we're, were we're playing games at that point. So sort of just shift the focus and, and keep going from there, really. Is it that simple? Because, I mean, watching North Melbourne over the last few seasons, obviously, uh, I think there is a seemingly a lack of AFL-ready talent on that list. Was it, was it really difficult to, to swallow? I mean, obviously, you do need to push on, but... Is it, is it hard to watch them now? And, and certainly last year, was it difficult for you to sit there watching how poor they, they've been and, and figure that you could make a difference in that team? Um, yeah, I certainly thought I was playing at a level that, that sort of um, was AFL quality or at least be pushing for, for a selection spot if I was on the list and had the opportunity there, the way I was sort of going about it. Um, with how I was playing, but also a little bit more of my strengths just come from a bit of more communication style stuff. It's sort of partly probably the reason I was getting to the leadership position that I had at that time. Um, so I just, yeah, that obviously lends itself to to being able to play at the level. Um, so, I, yeah, obviously I thought I was capable, but, yeah, again, it's just sort of <laughs> something that... Um, just yeah, after being spending a few years in the system, you sort of understand that um, you know you just focus on what's in your control, and yeah, that's probably one of the main learnings I had over the time. I guess is just not to worry too much about the decisions and and opinions and um, things that are happening that aren't really in your hands. Just got to focus on what what you can do, and I think that takes a lot of the um, the worry and the external stuff. As the influence that can have on you just takes that away a little bit. Just focus on what, what you're doing because, um, yeah, I think that's what sort of allows you to progress and develop. Is there anything that surprised you about being on the inside of, of the the footy world that before you moved into the system or perhaps people, you know, on the outside that are never in a professional footy club? Is there anything that, that really surprises, surprised you during that, that time about what it's like in there? It's um, a good question. Um, I think, yeah, as I said before, like when you go in, you, you know, these guys have been watching on TV for years, and a lot of um, coaches of are ex players that have been around for a long time. Um, 
but you know, once you get to know them, they're all they're all just normal people, and you have normal conversations and and do normal everyday things. Really, it's um, yeah, that's just um, probably the main thing. Once you once you sort of get in there, the um, sort of star factor or, or whatever you think that they, they've got, it sort of just comes back to a bit more of a level playing field, and you just um, yeah, interact with them normally and. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the main thing when you get in there. It's that's sort of the initial feeling, and then um, once you settle in, it's it's pretty pretty similar to being at um, you know any any club that you're playing at. It's just um, all a bunch of different personalities, and um, everyone's just working together to try and to try and win. So um, yeah, that's great insight, mate. How difficult was it to adjust to the pro kick? academy and everything they're doing down there obviously it's a it's a tough regime in terms of you know you've got you've got a few training sessions i believe it's four kicking sessions correct me if i'm wrong in a week and yeah is it is it two or three gym sessions i know it's at least at least two isn't it yeah we're doing we probably do we do three kicking and three gym sessions a week and then there's you know you do your own stuff outside of that as well um because you know there's opportunity to sort of spend a bit of time on your own and, and really sort of nut it out yourself. I think there's a fair bit of value in doing that once you get the direction from the coaches. But yeah, I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time with John Smith and Nathan Chapman run the program and Tim Gleason's one of the, the coaches, um, former Rutgers punter actually. So he's sort of um, been in my corner for the for the last few months, which has been um, been very helpful. And, and Tom Hornsey's down in Geelong as well, who's a former punter at Memphis. So, um, you know, having their experience and um has, has been very helpful obviously that there is a fair bit of technical element to it um and then there's there's also just being able to learn the game and and making sure it's still an instinctive um and natural movement for for everyone that's sort of coming out of having a aussie rules background um because everyone has their own sort of style so it's just trying to be able to tailor it to to each person really so talk us through the the experience of being in there at, at Pro Kick with Johnny Smith and Nathan Chapman and, and obviously the guys you've mentioned there as well. Around 40 to 50 guys per week reach out to them Australia-wide to get involved. And we've seen the likes of the Fletcher boys head over to the US and, and countless others in and around uh, all of the, the Power Five conferences here in the States. What is it like and, and why is it such a great option for people like yourself or just, just young guys that have played footy at any level? Yeah, well, um, I know my initially I got into it, I was seeking, you know, the more educational aspect. I didn't know a whole lot about college football at that time. Um, I just knew I wanted to change my degree and wanted to move overseas and was still keen to compete and still had that sort of, desire to to see what I can get out of myself physically and um, in a sporting sense so um, that's what got me into it um, but you know once you get down there um, having a chat with Johnny and and Chappie and and Gleeson as well it just sort of got an idea of um, the enormity of what college football is and and what to expect um, so yeah that's that, that's what got me involved um, initially um, and I just think just with the, the way that the skills that bring you up, that you learn playing Australian rules football are um, 
you know, absolutely transferable. There's a couple of different technical things that you learn, but, um, you know, it's a great opportunity for anyone that wants to get involved. And so in terms of the sessions, Flynn, there's been some conflicting reports around uh, your, your temperament. So oh, the, yeah. the, the consensus is that you're generally pretty focused and, and can be calm, but there are a few moments that perhaps that calmness evaporates. What's the truth on those matters? Oh, I'd like, I'm, I, I'm pretty, um, when I am at training, you know, pretty focused and locked in. Um, yeah, but you know, you, you hold yourself to a, to a high standard. So when you're not hitting those, it's, um, can be a bit frustrating as you know, it's, um, some days you're hitting them better than others. So, um, yeah, it's probably, probably, probably a few days where it's, um, you get a bit frustrated, but you know, as a general rule, I'm, I'm pretty, um, pretty low key kind of guy actually. And just trying to make sure I'm locked in when I'm and focused when I'm training. So yeah, I don't know where you heard that, that wrong, yeah, but they're, yeah. they're probably pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, journalists can't reveal the sources, mate. So I'd love to help you there, but we can't do much on, on that. What What is the key, just for those that want to practice out in the backyard and, and see if, uh, obviously, if they're ready before a trial down there at Pro Kick, what makes a, a good spiral punt? So, obviously, the torp for uh, for those unaware. What's yeah. some of the, the keys for that? Good torp. Um, walk straight and swing your legs straight, first one. And then... We're all used to, this is the one thing that I learned when I first started was we're all pushing the ball down onto our foot. We guide it down and push it down, especially when you kick and drop punts. Um, when you're going into kicking a spiral, you sort of want to like hold it a little bit higher and um, almost feel like you're throwing it up a touch um, just so you can get underneath it. And that's what gives you that high spiral. So yeah, for anyone that's out there trying to trying to nut it out, just um, turn it in a little bit on an angle and hold it up high and swing through it. <laughs> There you go. That's the perfect explanation for a man that knows his stuff. So, Flynn, how did the, the process in, in your eyes come to ending up at Rutgers? Um, yeah, I started out um, just learning the game, learning some technique stuff early on. Um, I think that's part of it. Once you learn technique, it's just being able to do it um, at the same quality, just do it quicker. Um, so we we train it, um, at trying to max, trying to get it off as quick as we can, pretty much um, at training all the time. So you get really comfortable being at speed with with the technique once you once you get the fundamentals down pat. So um, yeah, that was sort of the first few months of just trying to work that out, and then um, yeah, I just managed to put some film together. Um, a little bit, obviously the rollout, um, Aussie rule style kicks pretty comfortable um a pretty comfortable kick for for most of the guys that are in the program uh, as well as myself so i sort of put a fair bit of that together um with the rollout film and um yeah that sort of Rutgers sort of just just popped up i think um you know the connections that that john smith and, and um chappie have and, and you know gleso being at Rutgers already um you know they've, they've built a really large network of connections over in the US at a lot of different schools now. And we've got a lot of people to thank because they've performed while they've gone over, you know, Tom Hackett really sort of was at Utah and really sort of started off what the rollout punt can be. Um, Max Duffy at the same at, at Kentucky. Um, 
just having their performances has sort of meant that John, Johnny and Chappie are sort of trusted with their decisions and, and what, um, when they put players forward that they're going to be ready. So, you know, Rutgers was the only one that, that I got put towards. Um, you know, I spoke with them um, and, you know, the opportunity sort of came up and was born out of that. But I think, um, you know, Johnny and Chappie sort of have a fair idea of, of where people will fit and what suits them and, and academically as well, uh, where they can sort of excel or be be pushed at as well. So, um, you know, that was certainly a, a factor in where I wanted to go was to have something that was going to push me academically and, and in football as well. So, um, you know, it's couldn't have worked out any better to be, to be at Rutgers. And, um, yeah, extremely grateful for their work and time. Absolutely. What will you be studying there at Rutgers, Flynn? Um, well, I'm coming out of podiatry, which is it's a different degree in the US. I think it's a postgrad degree in the US. So um, over here, I'd, I'd studied it. Um, hadn't done, a, hadn't got that far into it. Really like the content, but the job aspect of it wasn't really up. Um, wasn't too interested in it. So yeah, I'm transferring into. I think it's um, labour and employment relations at the moment, but um, hopefully work my way into something um, different. I think it's a little bit more flexible over there compared to the system in Australia. You pretty much got to work out, you know, when you're 16 what you want to do because all your subjects yeah. go towards it. So it's um. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it sounds like a, a better system in the US, personally. It just gives you a little bit more flexibility with your options. So um, it'll be interesting to get involved with that and, and see what um, opportunities can come up with what degree I do. And in terms of, you mentioned there you wanted to challenge yourself both academically and professionally. The general consensus from people I've spoken to in and around you is that you are 100% bullet a gate with everything. I want to know, is is there anything outside of that? Is there anything you, you don't quite do at that intensity? Because um, I'm hearing it, you're pretty good at everything, which disturbs me. So we, we, need, to, we need to figure something out that's not quite in that, in that space. Oh, oh there's, there's, plenty I, there's plenty I can't do, I can tell you. Any of them, um, dancing, just dancing, singing-wise, that's really out of my... Um, <laughs> out of my capabilities that I'd steer clear but um yeah oh certainly with the education stuff I'd just um just have a crack at it and, and sport as well you know I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to you know be supported by my family and friends so you know when I came out of the system I was financially stable enough to really just go and devote all my time really um, towards towards punting and and that was my main priority and then I worked a little bit around that with a couple of different different jobs but you know once I was just wanted to get over and get as get as good at punting as I could in the shortest amount of time because I just wanted to get over and get started. So Flynn, how long are you over in the states for in terms of at Rutgers studying? How long does your eligibility last for? Uh, I've got three or four years of eligibility. Um, yeah, so. So in terms of coming in, I guess the backdrop for, for those that are not aware, Adam Corsack, a fellow Aussie, uh, certainly one of the best punters in the nation. He's already at Rutgers. I know you've had some uh, contact and interactions with him both in Melbourne, but obviously as well via phone. Do you just want to speak to the relationship you have with Adam right now? Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to, to spend a little bit of time with him um, and had plenty of conversations with him now. Um, 
obviously has, um, you know, had an incredible season last year and, and over the last four years that he spent there, he's, um, you know, he's the reason that I got the opportunity, um, you know, they're looking for, for another Australian, um, you know, and, and it's big shoes to fill, but, you know, he's, he's, you know, the best in the business when it comes to the, to the rollout um, style punt and, um, you know, I've been really lucky to have his guidance um, over the last few months, just some technical things we've been working on, um, but also just, just being able to prepare for, for the experience and all the extra stuff that comes with um, college football outside of actually playing and training. So, you know, I've been, been lucky to, to have him um, and then, I've you know, been able to bounce um, communication through him to, to Coach Bruno and, and Coach Ciano, who are both... Um, you know, giving me this opportunity, it's it's been um, been great to be a part of it so far and, and learn off those guys. So what are you most looking forward to about making the move over and getting stuck in? Oh, I'm keen to get out of Melbourne. I've, I've been here for a few years now, but, um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I think the training and, and just being in, in the whole environment, um, the experience of being in college, um, meeting a whole run, range of, of new people um, with different backgrounds. It's going to be, um, that's sort of what I find most exciting. I think the opportunity um, and the unknown a bit as well, um, just going in a bit, a bit naive and a bit blind is pretty exciting actually. I, you know, I sort of like the idea of just trying to figure it out and, and work it out all, along the way. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm just keen to get over there now and um, yeah, just sort of a bit of paperwork to get done, but um yeah, once that goal gets done, we'll be um be on the way. So with those circumstances, obviously putting things up in the air a little bit, do you know roughly when you're looking to land in New Jersey? Yeah, hopefully early July. Um, yeah, this is obviously with visa processing and, and all that sort of thing. You're uh, just, uh, again, ahead of your hands a little bit. Uh, you know, send it off and just waiting for, for that to come back. So, um got a bunch of other guys like Jackson Ross who's going to Tennessee and uh, and a couple of other friends who are who are going over that are going through the same process so you're not alone in it it's just um it's just a bit of an, an unknown at this, this time so you just yeah just um it'll be interesting to see when that comes out but I'm thinking early July hopefully yeah Brilliant. And just reflecting again coming full circle do you ever wonder about where you'd be at if if things had have worked out differently and you had have stayed in the system somewhere, do you think about the sliding doors moment that, that we have with you now in front of us? Um, I have, I guess I've, on reflection, I've had a little bit more of a think about that, I guess, but, um, you know, I'm, I don't know. I'm right where I want to be right now. Um, I remember thinking, looking at what my, what my options were and, um, yeah, this is all I really want to do. I just wanted to get over there. I wanted to go to college. Wanted to get a degree. Wanted to keep playing high-level sport. Um, and yeah, this is this is just the, sort of been the perfect outcome, really. Um, but you know, I just got to thank everyone that has been a part of it. I guess along the way, there's a couple of things I did physically as well that I sort of got to a lot less running at the moment when I go into punting. So uh, I've been working with um, a different um, podiatrist, Kirsten Simpson and, and Jesse Sequoia, who's a physio as well at Cornetic that I've been working with and, and they've been great. Um, just 
tweaking a couple of things physically, trying to get a bit more mobile and um, get a bit, a bit more power built into um, how I am physically. So, um, yeah, that, that's been interesting, just sort of transitioning from a endurance sport to something that's more power-based. Um, so I've been really enjoying that part of training as well. And is there any expectation on your end for, for this upcoming season at all? Um, not too sure at this point. Um, but, you know, having so few punters, I guess it's, I think it's three of us, um, you know, anything can happen. Um, it's not like you're, you're competing against, you know, 20 blokes like it is when you're playing Australian rules football. It's like a lot more options, that uh, a lot more competition that you're going up against. Um, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, the way I've been preparing over the last few months is just to rock up and, and be be as ready as possible um, to play and because um, you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, that's just been, it's been great having Adam there to sort of guide, you know, where I should be directing my time and effort towards. So, um, yeah, just been been working on a whole bunch of different kicks and um, have a few things up my sleeve, hopefully, to, to be able to pull out when, when you get there. And, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing what, um, what opportunity comes up ahead. The 2022 Division I college football season is set to kick off in late August, with Rutgers opening their campaign against Boston College on September 4 Australia time. Beyond the games, make sure you stay glued to ESPN.com.au and across social media for all the latest college football and NFL news. And from everywhere across the world of sport, from the worldwide leaders team of award-winning reporters, insiders, columnists and presenters. But for now, I'd like to thank you for joining us on another edition of ESPN's Beyond the Lead. This time for a conversation between ESPN's Patrick Georgievic and soon-to-be Rutgers punter Flynn Appleby. I've been your host, Joey Lynch, and as a reminder, you can catch this episode, every other episode of Beyond the Lead, and indeed all of ESPN's collection of podcasts and audio goodness, wherever you do so happen to get your potties from. If you're enjoying Beyond the Lead, or any of those other pods, be sure to subscribe, leave a famous five-star review, and please help spread the word. Anyways though, thanks for listening today, tomorrow, or whenever you happen to be tuning in, and do not fret as I'll catch you soon for another deep dive into the world of sports as ESPN takes you beyond the lead very soon.